Welcome to another edition of West of Everest. I am Lee Benson, and today we are joined by Grant on the road somewhere in the middle of the country as he makes the drive from Dallas to Minnesota. Only one of us was at the insane football game we saw take place on Saturday, and that man is none other than Grant Benson. Grant, give us a first-hand report about uh, what happened yesterday. Oh, you want to talk about yesterday, or do you do you want to get the rundown? I'm, I'm, I'm like currently sitting in a Walmart parking lot in Liberty, Missouri, just outside of Kansas City. So... I don't know. This this maybe this, this you, you maybe like uh, we may pick up some other cars. We may this may not sound exactly uh, how it always does, but uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Uh, but you know about the game yesterday. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice or not. But like I don't. My my voice is struggling this morning. Uh, it's been it's been cracking a lot this morning when I've been trying to talk. I just don't feel like I got a lot of oomph today, and I'm still feeling the. Uh, the effects of that sun from yesterday, man. I'm f- I am just absolutely dead. I'm still so tired from that game yesterday. Mm. Yeah. So I was at the game because a lot of you know that I work at News Nine in Oklahoma City, and every year for OU Texas, I get designated to stay back. And our producer Brett, who's a listener to the podcast, one of the 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 you know original listeners. He got to go to the game, and to his credit, he was trying to find a way to get me there this weekend. It just didn't work out. Uh, but Brett got back late last night around 9 or 10 o'clock, and I saw him, and he looked like a, uh, a lobster. <laughs> he had been in the sun all day like you had. So, yeah, the sun must have taken its toll. Uh, but uh, let's see. Where was I going with that? No, nowhere. I wasn't going anywhere with that. I just wanted to talk about why I wasn't at the game. And you know what? For the first quarter, I, you know, I was I was not missing that game at all. I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm glad I'm sitting here on my couch. Uh, this is uh, I I tweeted out at some point, probably in the first quarter. I have not been this wrong about an OU game since the last time I thought Oklahoma would come out and play really really well, which of course was the Tulane game. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, things swing things change. So so this is one of those podcasts where we don't have a whole lot of notes not not a lot of show prep grant you know has been in the, in the car all, all morning uh, and i was working until late last night haven't rewatched the game at all i took a lot of notes though for the first half uh grant i can't imagine you were taking notes in the stands watching the game so oh it's all uh it it uh it's uh it's all up here baby i'm pointing to my head <laughs> it's uh it's, it's it's actually gonna be pretty hard to, to to forget really any of that game it's all seared into my memory and you're right. Hey, the first the first quarter and the first half, kind of as an extension outside of a handful of moments, was miserable. It sucked. I mean, it was really hard for me not to sit there and just and as soon as they went up twenty eight to seven, and I mean, and Texas was dominating the game at that point in time. It just like the only thing that could that was that was crossing my head was just like, man, this this drive home tonight is just gonna be the worst. It's gonna be the worst drive home ever. Yeah, no, I I, I don't blame you and. I kind of wanted to save this, but I'm afraid I'll forget about it. So let's do this right now. And then the way I want to do this podcast is I've kind of written down and I didn't get all the way through the game because we had to start recording, but I wrote down in chronological order some key plays and then we'll just kind of go through it. And again, I didn't get through the whole game. I actually only got through the first half. So there's so many things that happened in the second half that I'll have to. Did I got not, the, the drive. Are you telling tr- me you didn't? Did you not watch the second half at all? No, I did. I did. I'm just talking. I'm, I'm talking about in my notes, like going back and just writing down key plays to talk about for the podcast to keep it, 
kind of flowing and making it, making it seem like we actually have a plan here, which we don't. But uh, so, but before we get to that, I do want to say this because I texted this to you and I was saying this and, and I put it on Twitter as well. Grant, you were at the Rose Bowl when OU played Georgia, and that was an awesome game, just a great college football game, and it was great. And then the ending, you have, I think, described on this podcast, it's, it's one of the most deflating, if not the most deflating feelings you've ever had, leaving an OU football game. That game yesterday at the Cotton Bowl, OU Texas, to me, as, I, as, a, as the second half was unfolding, and Oklahoma took that late lead when Kennedy Brooks scored that touchdown after that incredible play by Caleb Kelly, in my mind, I was like, holy cow, is, as Oklahoma fans, is this what it felt like all the way back on New Year's Day 2018? Is this what it felt like to be a Georgia fan because of how poorly that game started for Georgia and then the way it ended for Georgia was just great? What do you think about that, Grant? You were at both games. Is this a polar opposite of the Rose Bowl game? It's hard not to think of it that way. In fact, when, when you texted me that during the game, uh, I, I texted back and I told you, hey, that was actually something that was on the forefront of my mind, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, I was up in, I, I sat in section 132, which is the first time I've sat in, um, in, in the second deck. And so that was an interesting perspective. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was there by myself, but, you know, I was around a lot of OU fans and we were, uh, especially in the second half, man, we were, we were watching that thing together, man. We were living and dying together. And I, uh, there was a group of about three or four guys who I, I kept kind of, we, we, we were talking through the entire thing, getting pumped up and, uh, yeah, I, during one of the timeouts, I, I, we were just kind of chatting and, um, I, I made the comment, you know, everybody, every OU fan that was at the Rose Bowl deserves this one. They really deserve this one, and um, I yeah that that was in the forefront of my mind the entire time. And I mean, geez, it almost it almost ended exactly like the Rose Bowl did with a walk off touchdown run. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And just to refresh everyone's memories, even though you don't want to think about that game, OU was up thirty one to fourteen late in the second quarter after that trick play touchdown uh, throwback. What was it? Was it? lamb to to baker in the end zone yeah. and then of course the squib kick the squib kick happened and, and georgia got that late field goal which was annoying before halftime but it was 31 14 after that touchdown late second quarter and then georgia wins the game in all those overtimes 54 48 or however many overtimes it was and then on saturday oklahoma was trailing texas late in the second quarter 28 to 7 so by 21 points and then OU wins the game by almost the exact same score as Georgia won, except this time it's 55 to 48. So only one point difference. And obviously there was no overtime this time. It just it, all the similarities were just kind of coming together for me. Uh, it's, it's insane. And obviously the, the stakes were a lot higher years ago. But again, you were at both games and you said you said, you know, we everyone that was at that game deserves this. I don't know if there's any such thing as closure for that Georgia game because I know that was just a heartbreaker for everybody. But man, this is going to be pretty close to it, right? Uh, I'm, honestly, I wouldn't go that far. No, I mean closure for that Georgia game is not going to happen until until they win number eight, as far as I'm concerned, um, or at least when you know uh, when a, when a semifinal game at least. Um, man, I just it was a I. I don't really know. I mean, and of course, I'm going to try numerous times over the course of however long this podcast is of trying to describe to you just how special that game was. And I'm talking about the game uh, on on Saturday, not the Rose Bowl. Um, 
I how just so many incredible moments in that game that kind of while it was happening this was by I mean my by far my favorite part of the game is that while it was happening especially in the second half there was a sense amongst all the OU fans around us while we were watching the game while we were watching it un, uh, unfold that we were seeing something special that that we were seeing something that we were going to remember for the rest of our lives kind of regardless of how it how it turned out it was just there was that type of energy in the crowd in the stadium and uh you know I, I'm probably jumping ahead you know for but I mean we've gotten we've gotten eight and a half minutes into this podcast now we haven't even mentioned Caleb Williams and uh Lee I mean that was it's it's hard to describe to the people who were not there how much the game just absolutely changed when he came in and when it was clear that he was going to be the guy the rest of the time, the amount of confidence that was on the OU side of that stadium when he was in the game was palpable. I mean, it was it felt really special. Yeah, and that's that's obviously the biggest story coming out of this game. And man, I I I, I was thinking in my head. I think I might have texted it to you at some point. If if Oklahoma ends up winning this game and Caleb Williams is the you know huge reason why Oklahoma comes back and wins this game, it's going to be a really interesting week in Norman moving forward. But we, we don't need to get there yet. Let's. So here's what we're going to do. Let's go over everything kind of chronologically. And I think we've done this a lot for the Texas game because it's a, such a big game. At least I know a couple of years ago we did. I'm not sure if we did it this way last year. But that's the best way I can think of to kind of go over everything. And then you can get your perspective from the crowd. And I can give you obviously my perspective just watching it on TV. And uh, from so from the start, like you go back and, and the game could not have started. This is a cliche, but it's true. The game could not have started any worse for Oklahoma. Literally the very first snap of the game, Xavier Worthy goes for a 75 yard touchdown because one, Jaden Davis decides to play it safe and conservative and lets Worthy make a move on him it's, instead of just attacking downhill and making a tackle. And then DTY also misses a tackle. And we find out that's the only snap DTY played all game. That was it. Uh, Lincoln Riley said we had him for one snap. And then so DTY was out for the rest of the game. He was limping heavily on the sideline after the game. Like he he looked very unhealthy. So, yeah, he I mean, based on that, he probably shouldn't have been playing. So his thing's a little bit worse than we kind of thought it was. Uh, pretty obvious why he wasn't playing against Kansas State. And based on that, probably shouldn't have been playing in that game. So we'll see how long he's out. That's that's not a great sign. So it's seven nothing just like that. OK, Oklahoma gets the ball back or not ball back the ball first. They go three and out and then get a punt blocked. Uh, and, and, and so Texas gets the ball and plus, you know, what, the 10-yard line or something like that or the two-yard, whatever it was. And the next snap, the first snap of that series should have been a touchdown, but it's a bad throw by Casey Thompson. And then, like, all right, we'll just give the ball to the best player in the country, Bijan Robinson. He'll score easily. And, Grant, seven snaps into the game, were you regretting going there to the Cotton Bowl? It's 14 nothing. I was, uh, hey, I was, I was doing a lot of personal work internally, thinking to myself, hey, don't regret this. Still be grateful for being here. The first time you've been here in seven years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. I, I was, you know, me and, and everyone else on that side of the stadium were not happy. But also, it wasn't, it wasn't like an anger. I mean, it was a shock. I mean, it was 14 to nothing a minute and 48 seconds into the game. And that just, I, I don't that's never happened and as long as I've been an OU fan like they they've never been jumped on that quickly that early and so yeah I mean we we're just shell-shocked a little bit and then um 
it I mean it was crazy. I, I, I did actually I, I rewatched the game when I when I got back um when I got back last night to where I was staying in Oklahoma and uh it was I mean it was even just watching it on the broadcast, I mean it was just like a snap of your finger. It was so quick. And um I mean yeah, I mean you it's it's at that time of the game, sure, it felt like like oh man, OU is just flat. Texas is ready to play, and they're about to just get run off the field. I mean, that's what it felt like. Yeah, and so Oklahoma gets the ball back. They're down by two scores, and it's not going. I mean, they're they're in third and long. It's it's the offense is not moving the football, and they catch a gigantic break. And I'm not sure if my text went through to you at the time. Uh, on third and ten. Uh, Rattler leaves the pocket early, didn't need to leave the pocket, but he does, and he finds Mike Woods, who makes a fantastic catch along the sidelines for 29 yards, and his, his feet gets, he gets one foot down, it's a good catch, but the problem is Mike Woods stepped out of bounds before that and came back in and touched the ball first. Uh, it should have been illegal touching, and the weird thing is it that actually, they reviewed it. I mean, did you watch? The, their, their rules expert said it should not have been illegal touching on the broadcast. Because they only, they only call it, they're only, uh, the rules expert essentially said in college, they're only calling it if he is, if, if he clearly went out of bounds by himself and clearly does not establish himself back in the field. No, I didn't catch that because uh, I, I just caught Kirk Herbstreet saying over and over again that they missed that call and I don't know why they're not nah, I've it. seen, I, I, I've, I, I've seen numerous times now where they just don't, they just don't flag that anymore especially on the sideline like that i they only throw flags on that in the end zone now see i have i mean the the ref, a ref saw it i mean they threw his hat down you saw a hat on the field and he went out of bounds on his own he didn't get pushed out so i th- i think that was he, a huge break by I, the, he, he established himself back in he got two feet back in and that's good but enough that's, these days but that i mean but by rule that's not that's not a thing i mean the only time if you get pushed out by a defender, you can establish yourself, but he didn't get pushed out by a defender. So I, I thought well, that I was mean, a huge a, break a by Oklahoma. A defender was absolutely touching him as he went out of bounds, and that must have been good enough for them. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe, yeah, sure, maybe that was a break. I mean, it, it's huge because if that doesn't happen, it's, you know, it's fourth down and Oklahoma's three and out, back-to-back series. And after that play, Rattler got in a bit of a rhythm. He hit Marvin Mims. He hit Jaden Hazelwood. They go down. Rattler scores from a couple yards out. It's 14 to 7. And you're like, okay, like settled in. Like there's still so much time left. And then the defense goes out there on the next series, it's a three and out. So the defense feeds off of the momentum the offense provides on the touchdown drive. And so Oklahoma gets the football back only down by a touchdown. And on third down and three, Spencer Rattler throws an interception from his own 40 yard line. And right after Oklahoma has gotten a little bit of momentum, the defense does its job, gets Oklahoma off the field. Rattler throws a pick. He gives it right back. And Herb Street on the broadcast, he blames Stogner. He blames some miscommunication on the route. My problem with that was, sure, okay, that was clearly the thing because Stogner went out and up and Rattler threw the ball back inside towards the seam. But my thing is it's third and three. And even if Stogner would have run the route that Rattler expected him to, it still would have been a really difficult throw behind the linebacker and in front of the safety. In between four dudes. Yeah, it, it would have been a really tough throw, even with the right route concept that Rattler expected. Oklahoma only needed three yards. And so there was an easier throw to the field side that Rattler should have probably read pre-snap. 
But his pre-snap read was to make that throw to Stogner, that extra difficult throw on third and three, and it ends up burning Oklahoma because there's miscommunication, and they turn it over, and all the momentum goes back to Texas, and Oklahoma's defense goes out there trying to defend half the field, and in three plays, they give up a touchdown, and just like that, it's back to a 14-point deficit. It's 21-7. to And so, Grant, I'll ask you, when Rattler threw that pick, because Oklahoma seemed to be getting a little bit of momentum, and then Rattler throws the interception, what was your your reaction and kind of the reaction in the crowd? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, same deal, just disappointment. I think people were just like, it. Uh, you know, I mean, when, when you're watching it live like that, it's not super obvious, right, that it was miscommunication. It's not as obvious when you're watching the Sky Cam on ESPN. Um, and then, so, yeah, I mean, from our vantage point, without seeing a great, it just it just looked like a really bad pick that he threw. Just a re- that he just, and so, like, I, I know I know when stuff like that happens, it typically is miscommunication. Um, but depending, I mean, regardless of whose fault it was, and I'm sure it was Stogner's fault, that's just been happening way too much. Has it not? It's, yeah, I, it's just, there's been, I mean, aside from the Kansas State game, obviously Rattler played really well against Kansas State. I mean, as much as, you know, Joe Klatt and Kirk Herbstreet and a lot of people want to tell us that, oh, you know, actually Spencer Rattler has been playing really good football this entire season up until that West Virginia game, and it was mostly on his offensive line. He's actually playing really well. As much as those guys want to tell us that, uh, it's gaslighting. Like we, he, he hasn't been playing as bad, or he had not been playing as bad as people think, but also he has not been playing anywhere clear, you know, close to as good as he played for the majority of 2020. And so, uh, that, so to your point, though, yeah, it, it, kind of those miscommunications and those, those weird throws, they have happened a lot more this year than they, they had in the past. And so hey, one, one quick you know, thing. The, one quick thing before we get super deep into the quarterback stuff, I think I, I just want to throw it out there that I mean you and I were I we were pretty clear last week uh, you know on this pod that we thought Spencer played really well against Kansas State and that there you know there there was you know something there to suggest maybe that he has turned the corner and he's going to turn it on and I expect him to play well in this game and so like before I say any other comment you know moving forward I just I like I'll I'll eat crow all day long I, I you know I. I should not have gotten as excited about the Kansas State game, um, and so I mean we'll we'll like we'll we'll go from there. But yeah, I mean Spencer Rattler looked like Spencer Rattler against Nebraska and West Virginia. I period. See, I I don't think it's crazy for us to expect for him to to play well in that game because for all the reasons we laid out, I thought all of our reasoning in the pregame podcast made sense, and a big part of that was because of the similarities between Kansas State's defense and Texas's defense because. We figured he did really well against Kansas State. Texas has a lot of the same things. And I don't know if the game plan was different or it it didn't seem like they were moving the pocket as much with Rattler. But granted, you know, he didn't have as many snaps anyways as he had against Kansas State. He yeah, it it didn't work out. And then whenever Caleb Williams came in for the rest of the game and we'll get to it, it the the Texas being a below average defense, then that started to show up like, oh, yeah, this defense is not that great, As, as we said multiple times on that podcast and Caleb Williams was the reason why like him coming into the game kind of showed it uh they were able to run the ball they ran the ball okay when Spencer was in there but they ran it a lot better with Caleb Williams so it wasn't crazy for us to expect Spencer to continue to play well against against this Texas team but maybe it was but maybe it was because it's I think it's very clear and I, I I think we know this now his problem is between the ears clearly it's between the ears um, and that, you know, we've seen really talented guys who struggle with the, the mental side of the game have great games all the time. 
but just be but just be inconsistent. Um, and so yeah, I mean, that's we, also yeah, a good we'll, point. We'll like we'll we'll get to this point. I just I'm at a point right now after I saw. Um, there were just some things that I saw from Caleb Williams, and I, I just I cannot freaking wait to get into to talking about that guy. Um, that I just I, I'm basically what I'm. I wish I would have stuck to my guns a little bit more, uh, because me coming out super hard on Rattler earlier this week and saying that I expect him to play well and he turned the corner. I, you know, I wasn't in in my mind. I wasn't a hundred percent on that. I was more like ninety percent on that. There was still some doubt in my head. And I guess I, I'm more I'm more thinking that I got suckered and I should have stuck to my guns. Okay, and I, I get that. And I I guess yes. Uh, I mean, we're just theorizing about it's between the years. I still think it's you know maybe it's part of that. Maybe he just he clearly he's not seeing it. I, I don't think his football IQ and like pre snap and seeing things is is where it needs to be right now because he wouldn't be making these pre snap decisions where he's making these tough throws where maybe something easier is there. And even when he has time and we can get to here in a, here in a second where he, he has open guys, he's not seeing them, but so, but we'll get to the whole Caleb Williams things. We're all, we're almost there by the way. So it's 21, seven, Texas makes it 28 to seven. We're still in the fourth, uh, the first quarter, by the way, it's 28 to seven. Uh, Oklahoma gets the ball down by three touchdowns, gets to be fourth and one from their own 26. The quarter ends. We go into the start of the second quarter and Caleb Williams is in at quarterback on fourth and one from their own 26-yard line. And this is desperation mode for Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. And the thought, okay, like Caleb Williams is coming in. It, they they got to get this. Like, all right, he's had success. Well, he's only had like really one. The Was it the Western Carolina game he came in? And, or no, maybe it was, no, it was Tulane. Tulane, he came in, scored a touchdown, short yardage. And then this is the first time I think we've kind of seen it since then with the exception of the Kansas State game where it was, you know, he didn't handle the snap. He comes in, and he looks like he's going to get the first down, and he does, and he's kind of bottled up. And then he breaks free and gets into the secondary <laughs> and goes 66 yards for a touchdown on his first snap of the game, and it's 28-14, to 14, Grant. And I'm just laughing because, like, that was the last, literally the last thing I expected to happen on that play. Like, I understand the, the concept that, yeah, on fourth down and short, defenses come up and that it, it happens from time to time but in that scenario from that far out didn't even cross my mind my, my thing was like all right I think I'll be able to get the first down I think we'll be able to get a couple of yards and then Rattler will come back into the game boom breaks off a huge run what was it like in the stadium for that Caleb Williams touchdown first of all I didn't even know it was fourth down it wasn't made clear in the stadium that it was fourth down by the way um so I, I wow, thought I, I, I thought it was first down uh and he was just coming out to start the second quarter just with that play, um, I, I mean, it was it was awesome. It, it was awesome. I, I guess you know, for me personally, when that happened, that was all I needed to see. I I, I thought I, I thought then that Riley would make the decision um, to pull Rattler because, like, I was just I mean, that was that was their that was their biggest play of the entire season. Like it was that that was their longest play of the entire season. Um, yeah. And so it's just like it, it had been missing, and so. Like kind of what what I was going through my head, and I had some doubt as well. I was like, ah, no, I mean you're being you're being dramatic, but in my head I was thinking just like Caleb Williams just got his shot, man, and he freaking took it, and he just decided <laughs> it's it's mine. This is mine now. Yeah, and so the defense gets back out there, gets a three and out. Perry on Winfrey gets a sack on second down. Oklahoma gets the football back. Then we see that trick play where it goes Mims back to Rattler to Jeremiah Hall for 48 yards. Uh, which at this point, everyone's kind of thinking, all right, here we go. Momentum all on Oklahoma. 
But then the drive stalls when Rattler, once again, doesn't seem to be on the same page with Austin Stogner on third down. Stogner goes up and out. Rattler throws the ball inside down the seam. It gets tipped. It's lucky it wasn't intercepted. Meanwhile, and, and you said you rewatched the game, Kirk Herbstreet points out on the broadcast, Marvin Mims is wide open at the sticks for an easy first down completion. So instead of a first down, the chains keep moving. Gabe Burkich has to come out there and kick a field goal to make it 28-17. to 17. I was uh, watching Thoughts. the game live. As soon as Mims broke off his route, I said, got him, you got him. And he wasn't even looking that way. And actually, if I mean... If, he if actually that, was. He actually was looking his way. <laughs> he was at first. Yeah, he was at first. Yeah. But if... If the pass wouldn't have been tipped, it would have been picked off in the end zone. Yeah. And so, like, From your vantage I, you know, point, yeah, it was not uh, that. Yeah, that that wasn't great. And so, um, I guess, yeah, that I suppose that's that's the bit of the game that's just sort that's that's probably not as etched in my memory as the others. Yeah, and, and so at that point, kind of the, the momentum had been grabbed by Oklahoma, but then you stall out, you settle for a field goal. It's like, all right, I mean, they got points, but it could have been better. And the defense goes out there after Oklahoma got points, gets off the field in four plays, gave up a first down on the first snap, but then get a three and out after that. And so the defense is doing its job. Oklahoma scoring points, defense doing its job. Uh, the next series for Oklahoma, Kennedy Brooks starts to get the running game going, goes for 17 yards, goes for nine yards. A couple snaps later, Eric Gray out of the backfield, pass 14 yards. Oklahoma's moving the ball again. They're, they're in a rhythm. And then Rattler coughs the ball up in plus territory on a play that I, I just have no idea what he was doing on the play if you look at the offensive line they pass block but Rattler looks like he starts to commit to a run really early on in the play and then he gets stripped Oklahoma loses momentum again and then it was two plays later after that when you saw the Bijan Robinson electric 50-yard run where he broke a tackle from almost everybody it seemed like Texas then scores a couple plays later the next play just like that is 35 to 17 in the second quarter. And at that point, it's full time Caleb Williams time. But Grant, I'll, I'll go back, though. So Rattler uh, in the state in the stadium, again, another turnover where Oklahoma has a little bit of momentum and he coughs the ball up and then Texas grabs the momentum back and goes down and scores. Yeah. And let me. Um, and so I had already said when Rattler threw the through the pick and then when when uh, when Williams, you know, followed it up on that fourth and one with the long touchdown around, that was it for me. I, I was, I, I was ready to be done with Rattler in that situation right then and there. I, you know, I think in my wildest dreams, I never would have imagined that Caleb's performance would be what it was from that point on. Um, but in that, in that moment, in that game, it was like, to me, it was clear a change needed to be made. Like they just weren't, they weren't responding to him. They, it just it was it was very clear that something was off. Um, I, I I do want to I do want to touch on one thing before because I'm I'm sure we're about to just get super into to to the Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler thing, which is which honestly that's what I want to talk about. That's what everyone wants to talk about. Um, I think that's by far the most interesting thing that came out of this game. Um, before we do that though, um, I, I just I do want to come out and say this after seeing this in person but John Robinson's going to win the Heisman uh he is he is very clearly the best offensive player in college football um I you know I I know there's 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 two defenders you know there's a guy in Georgia and a guy in Michigan who is having an amazing season so I'll stop short of of calling him the best player in college football but yeah I mean if they if, if they keep giving him the ball 25 to 30 times a game 
he's going to win the Heisman. He is he is electric good. And so like I and I was one of those guys too who after you know going into this game I was like, "Hey, geez, man, I I think Bijan is good, but like let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit. The guy is guys like played significantly in like 10 college games in his life. Um nah, I mean he he's every bit as good. Like I um, if there was one comparison for him, I think I said this on the earlier pod last week, it would be Saquon Barkley. He's better than Saquon Barkley. I, I don't know what else to say other than he he just is. Yeah, I mean, like, he's I mean, he's, he's awesome. I mean, like, I think I was qualifying, like, oh, he might be the best back in college football, like, before the game, like, in the last podcast. Just because I haven't watched as much college football this year as I have in the past. So, you know, I, there's a lot of running backs I'm sure I've missed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – okay, sure. Like, he's going to – sure, maybe he wins the Heisman. He's really good. And, it's like, whenever guys are really good like this, it's kind of boring to me because it's like, yeah, what do you say? Like, yeah, he's, he's great. All right, move on. Like, so what? Like, that, that's why I can't do the, uh, like, discussions on who's the best quarterback in the NFL or, like, who's the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Like, to me, that's boring. Like, they're all freaking really good. Who cares? So what? Like, I, it's more interesting to debate, like, can a guy – make that next step and like can he this guy like win something you know that's which is kind of like where baker mayfield is anyways that's not what we're talking about so uh, so yeah so so it's 35 17 and then caleb williams comes into the game full time and you know leads him to a field goal and then texas gets the ball and goes down kicks a field goal it's halftime grant it's 38 to 20 but oklahoma knows you know caleb williams comes into the game leads him to a you know to a score his first drive Halftime happens. Sooners are still down by 18 points. But they get the ball coming out of the locker room, which is always a good thing. And this is where we'll start it. So the very first snap of the third quarter. If anyone that hasn't watched Oklahoma football last year and this year and has heard about Caleb Williams and maybe watched the game and is like, yeah, like, yeah Spencer Rattler's got all this Heisman talk and first-round draft pick potentially. And you know, like, he's, he's really good, right? You know, like, like, okay, so like, what's really the difference between Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams? All you got to do is show them literally every single time this past season that Spencer Rattler kept the football on a zone read keeper and ran the ball, and then you show them this one snap from Caleb Williams when he does the same thing, a, a zone read keeper. Oklahoma's on a, a zone blocking scheme, and Williams is like, yeah, you know, I, th- I think I'll run this one. I think I'll keep this one. And immediately, he does a spin move past the jack linebacker, and then he jukes out another Texas guy and then calmly runs out of bounds after picking up 17 yards. And instead of where if Spencer Rattler would have been in there, he probably would have handed the ball off to Kennedy Brooks. And it was blocked up okay. Brooks might have gotten you know five yards here and there. But if Rattler would have kept it, he gets stopped for maybe no gain, maybe a loss of yards. It's second down and 11, second down and 10. But instead, with Caleb Williams, it's first and 10, and Oklahoma's got the ball all the way out to the 42-yard line. Uh, and you could hear on the broadcast, Grant, all, everyone in the crowd go, oh, like after the spin move. What was it like from your perspective? Exactly like that. Everyone was like, holy, sh-, you know, S-word. Um, it was because his spin move was not super not super dissimilar to the one that Bijan had in the first half or the se- or whenever that was. Um, I, I, it was after the Bijan one because I, I remember it being in my head at that point in time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And, and like, in that moment... I mean, it wasn't exactly in that moment. It was probably the moment where he had a, a freaking 66-yard touchdown run where he – by the way, I back to that 66-yard run, man, Fowler was pumped on that call in the on the broadcast. 
like that fired him up. And I like that was like when I when I was rewatching it last night and 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 Williams dove in and like that really fired up F- Fowler. I was I was cheesing pretty hardcore. That made me smile a lot. But um uh no, I mean it was in those two plays like where you see his mobility and his ability to run. I mean that kind of in a way that really vindicated a lot of the criticism against Spencer Rattler early on in the season. Basically people saying, "Hey, I mean, they can't run the ball, but I do know for for sure that if Caleb Williams comes in there, that'll help the run game. Like, absolutely, it's going to help the run game. And just, I mean, they they ran for almost what three hundred and sixty yards yesterday. I'll have to look it up. I, I don't have the number. I I do have when we get to some point. I do have the yards per play stats between when Rattler was in there and when Williams was in there, and it, it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, so on that same drive, though, by the way. Oklahoma didn't score. Oklahoma had to punt. And there was a scenario where it was third and five, and Williams got really good protection. And he's looking downfield, looking downfield, and he throws it high on the sideline to Mike Woods, who initially catches it, but then can't bring it in, can't survive the ground. OU's got a punt. On that play, rolling to, or not rolling, but like to Williams' right on the far sideline, Jaden Hazelwood standing at the sticks wide open for a first down. And after the game, Lincoln Riley. He, multiple times, at least two times, he said, yeah, there was a lot of easy things out there that Williams missed, didn't see, but he, all, you know, he played well, and that might have been one of them. Uh, and I don't know if Riley saw that on the field in, in the live action, but that was obvious on, cam, on, on tape. They'll see it going back where he should have checked down and had, had wide open Hazelwood to move the sticks. He didn't, but, you know, whatever. That, that was one thing that I wanted to point out. Uh, and at this point is where my notes kind of run out. So, if that, so I guess based on that, we can kind of go into – the rest of the game. I, I got the drive chart here to kind of help us through it. I mean, Oklahoma punted, um, and OU's defense came out there and got him off the field. Uh, the very first carry for Bijan Robinson in the second half was a four-yard loss. Got him in the backfield. So the, the run on. defense helped. All right, it wasn't Perry. Uh, I think that was I think it was Isaiah Thomas actually. It uh, Th- Thomas, uh, and then at this point. Man, like in the entire second half, it really seemed like Oklahoma's defensive line started really getting after that's what their Casey defense, Thompson in the second half. That's what their defense is supposed to look like. Um, and and like I'm, it's I'm. People may poo-poo this. People may say, ah, well, you know, it was the crowd and it was everyone getting into it. Man, it was it was Caleb Williams. They were pumped up. They were fired up. And they, I just, it's it's hard to describe just how how the energy of the team completely changed. When it was clear that he was the leader of the team, I mean, it w- it was totally different. I it's yeah, and it's like Lincoln it's hard Riley for me asked. to describe because I've never I've never been in a in a in a environment like that where that's been the case. I mean, a a, a switch was flipped, and like I'm I'm saying like this is this this was the main issue with Rattler. He was not he's not galvanizing. No, it's just for whatever reason. Rattler has all the talent in the world, and he couldn't get the best out of this team. And then Caleb Williams comes in, and maybe the toughest environment you could possibly imagine. Dude hasn't even hasn't even played significant football for two years, and he comes in and j- just like that, it is clear who the leader of the team is. And I, I mean, it's I, I don't I don't know where to go with that other than that was special. That that's that it's it's very likely that we're gonna go. I mean, how, decades and decades of being fans. We're not going to see that again. I mean, that was that, it was that special. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess. And, you know, I, in the moment right now, I'm not even thinking about that. I will say Riley was straight up asked. I think John Hoover asked him, is it too simplistic to say that Caleb Williams was able, you know, his being inserted in the lineup, you know, energized, you know, the entire team, including the defense. And Riley said, yes, that's too simplistic to say that. So Lincoln Riley did his best in the postgame to downplay as many things as possible because he's got a really tough week ahead of him. He does. He, he has a really difficult decision to make coming up. And I'm not prepared to talk about this yet on the podcast because I, I still want to talk about this game. Uh, you know, defense gets off the field. Here's the thing, though. Caleb Williams comes back out there. They go down. They kick another field goal, 38-23. And they're still kind of stalling out. And they stalled out with Rattler a little bit. But now they're kind of stalling out with Caleb Williams. Um, you know, it, there was the, the play on third down and four on this drive when he got rushed and he almost got sacked and threw it. And it got tipped. And then Stogner caught it which could have been an abject disaster of a play if something else would have gone wrong, maybe an interception. But luckily, Oklahoma kept the ball, and Gabe Burgage kicked another field goal. And at 38-23, well, I mean, did Tech... Did we, did we skipped over the touchdown pass he threw to Mims, the first one. Nope, we have, nope, nope we're not there yet. What, what's the score right Doesn't now? Happen. 38-23. Oh, that's right, yeah. They get the... Um, but No, I mean, this, this feels wrong. That feels wrong. I, nope, it's right. I got, I got the. I, I'm literally looking right at the. Oh, the that's drive right. Chart, it was thirty-eight twenty-three, and then and then Texas got a field goal right after that. Yeah, yeah. Texas comes down and moves the ball and, and kicks a field goal to make it forty-one twenty-three. So once again, it's an eighteen-point game. At this point, there's two thirty-eight to go in the third quarter. So even though Williams is in there and he's definitely energized everything, Oklahoma's still down by three scores, and the the third quarter is almost over. And this is where. Um, 238 to go in the, the first play is the massive Kennedy Brooks run 65 yards and up until this point uh before this snap let's say before the snap I still was thinking all right like I wasn't I at, at, at no point in this game was I thinking like it's over and I know that's a cliche because it's true there's so much time left and you know when Caleb Williams did his thing to make it 28 14 I was like all right this is kind of interesting let's see where this goes from here and then Kennedy Brooks you know, busts off that 65-yard run, but then fumbles at the end. At this point, when Texas recovered that fumble live, I thought, okay, well, I, this, might not, this, this may not happen. And then you start seeing the replay review, and you see that his knee is down. And it's like, oh, my gosh, okay, he's down. He's down. So in the crowd, what was that moment like? It was just relief. Relief. Uh, from my angle, you couldn't see the strip, really. Um, uh, just the way that's the area we were sitting, you couldn't really see it that that clearly. Um, so yeah, I just I just saw whoever it was it. I mean, who is it that stripped him? I, I just saw whoever whoever recovered it starting to run. Uh, and I was just like, oh crap! I think it was Deshaun. I think Deshaun Jameson okay. stripped him. But no, I mean, and then if it's uh, maybe it came through in the in the TV broadcast. I can't remember from rewatching last night. But as soon as it was clear that they showed it on the video board, I mean, I'm pretty like the entire OU side like erupted. And was like really excited about that. Clearly, yeah. Um, it just it was taking a long time to review it, and so it was kind of like, ah, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna pull. But I think they're probably trying to spot the ball. Oh yeah, that's definitely what it was. They were they were trying to figure out where he was down. But um, yeah, it's got kind of funny. I mean, we've gone we've gone long enough in this now without mentioning Kennedy Brooks and his best game ever as a Sooner. I mean, that's 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 pretty. Yeah, special. I guess it is. It's just he's. I feel like I feel like he's done. I guess he's maybe he's never done this before. I got to look at the game notes. Uh, it was at it was at the most yards he's ever had. But like, yeah, Kennedy Brooks was, was Kennedy Brooks. That's what Kennedy Brooks. 
Okay, I mean, that's what Kennedy Brooks does. So like, it's not that surprising, especially against a Texas defense that we told you before is not a very good run defense. They give up a lot of yards on the ground. And so it's a great game by him. Don't get me wrong, but it's just he's one of those players where, yeah, he gets going, he gets going. He's got great vision, and the offensive line was cooking. He goes 65 yards, and this is a really interesting series because it gets to the point where it's 3rd and 11. But before 3rd and 11, Grant, on 2nd and 11, Caleb Williams throws a pretty darn good back shoulder throw to Jaden Hazelwood, who drops it in the end zone, looking like Marvin Mims, or not, no, not Mar- looking like Theo Weiss from 2020. Sorry, Theo, I know, like you, you just listen to the West of Everest podcast. I come in here and just, just scalp you out of nowhere. Just totally unfair. I get it. Sorry, uh, he dropped a lot of touchdowns in 2020. Hazelwood's got to catch that ball. Help out your quarterback, man. You're the drops, but uh, on third and eleven though, drops the snap, recovers steps up and just throws an absolute strike to Marvin Mims for a touchdown. And that was a big boy throw, Grant. It was it was a when you absolutely had to have it. He made a play, the the, the previous play, a perfect throw and his receiver didn't help him out. And then I mean, what it, that was just Caleb Williams saying screw it. I this is I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing this by myself. And hey, like we we haven't we haven't touched on this yet, but I'm telling you, there in person, Caleb Williams has has much more zip on his throws than Spencer Rattler does. Um, I, I I don't know what I, I don't know what the deal is there, but it, I mean, it was it was clear and obvious in person that that the ball was coming out of Williams's hand a lot different than Rattler's. Yeah, and it was clear on that play. I mean, Rattler has not thrown a ball like that all season long, even. Even last week when he fit that tight window throw into Hazelwood before the end of the second quarter, that ball was not thrown as, as hard as maybe people think. Go back and watch that. It's still it's kind of just like he's aiming the ball, and, and he fit it in there. It's a great throw. But the ball that Williams threw to Mims jumps out of his hands, and you, you watch the, the Skycam version. Great anticipation by Williams because it's a, it was a cover two look. He had the corner up top. He had the safety back, and Mims was flashing into that area behind the corner in front of the safety and as Williams was going to throw he hadn't flashed there yet but he knew that Mims was going there and he just boom zip right in there perfect throw and you nailed it when they needed a play he delivered and it's 41 30 and for the first time in a long time Oklahoma was only down by two scores the defense comes out uh, the quarter's almost over they get Texas into uh, third and long they get Texas off the field, another okay, three we, and out. And can Oklahoma- we get? Can we go back to that? Because I'm pretty sure, or unless was this at 41 to 33? I thought that next that next series was the Stutzman sack on first down. Um, let's see. First and ten. Bijan Robinson, two yard loss. Perry on Winfrey gets a t- TFL. Uh, then Texas false starts. Then Bijan Robinson no gain. Isaiah Thomas tackle. No, so this is not the Stutzman stack. Okay, so that was that. That was after forty-one to thirty-three. But I was gonna say that was when it became forty-one to thirty. That's when OU's crowd started to become like, oh, okay, like this is this is like intimidating atmosphere. Like this is getting. Uh, I mean, I've that's the seventh time I've been to that game. Or I'm sorry, the sixth time I've been to that game. At forty-one to thirty, that was the loudest I have ever heard that stadium easily easily i mean it was it was it was on it was uncomfortable you you could you could feel the vibrations in your chest it was that loud 
Yeah, and so it's 41-30. OU gets the football, and then third and five is the first time in the game where Caleb Williams just, on third and five, just throws it up. 50-50 ball to Marvin Mims, and Marvin Mims makes a great play on the ball. Just stops, comes up 47 yards over B.J. Foster, and then Eric Gray has a nine-yard run. Oklahoma's moving the ball again, and they stall. They stall yet again, and they got to kick another field goal. And Gabe Burkich, just steady, man. Just kept nailing these these mid-range field goals, these intermediate field goals. Good on him and uh, makes it an eight-point game. Hey, I think this is going to be instructive because uh, Texas, when OU got down to the red zone, Texas was doing what probably every team is going is to do to OU now from here on out. They were rushing three and dropping eight and just defending the goal line. I mean, that, that's what they were doing. And so, I mean, it is, it's the Iowa State defense. It's now the Kansas State defense, too. Um, and and that's, that's where you got to run the ball. I mean, in those situations, if, if, if you can run the ball, that will absolutely eat that defense up. Um, and which, you know, you know, in the fourth quarter, that was very clear, and we got to that point. But uh, that, that was something that, that was very obvious to me, that they were, they were very much in just, and to just drop back as much as humanly possible to make, to make passing windows small. Okay. And so at 41-33, this is where on first and 10, Danny Stutzman off the edge, blitz, him and Nick Benito get a sack, and it's like, man, I mean, everything is going right for Oklahoma, Grant. Up until, <laughs> I mean, yeah, up until the, the, the next Mims touchdown catch, which, God, I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, the Stutzman sack was the loudest it was in, that, in the entire building, uh, the, during the entire ooh, interesting. game. The, the crowd freaking lost it on that. And that was actually, that was the craziest I think I went in the entire game. I did a... Like I did, like a scream and flex, and like I was, I was fired up, <laughs> and I didn't even know it was Stutzman at first. I was even more fired up when I saw the replay, and I was like, "Oh, it was Stutzman!" Yeah, uh, good to see him back, man. Good to see him back, and just making immediate contributions in his first game since Western Carolina. And this was another series where Oklahoma's defensive line was just whipping Texas up front. I mean, Casey Thompson had no time. Uh, the ne- that. The next couple of plays were just hurries and incomplete passes. And uh, a quick aside, it's troubling that when there's this much pressure on the quarterback, if Casey Thompson was able to just make a little bit better throws, though, on a lot of these, the guys are open and the guys would make catches. And it's like, come on, secondary, help out. The, the defensive line is getting so much pressure. How are you allowing guys to still be open by a yard to where like a, 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 just a slightly better throw would have been a completion? And we'll... Uh- <laughs> We'll get to this, and actually, I kind of, I kind of hope we don't. I don't really, I don't really care to talk about the defense in this game that much. No, there, there, um, because it was nothing, weird. I haven't done a rewatch. I haven't uh, it done was a rewatch weird. yet. It was, so I, yeah, by far, by far the best game the linebackers have played this season. Um, like by far, they didn't have any issues in coverage, like at all. I thought that was weird. I mean, it was. <laughs> that's about. It as, was all on the perimeter. That it was all that, on the perimeter. That game was, was about outside. as close as as like a a one or two player problem game. That was Jaden Davis and Latrell McCutcheon getting cooked consistently. I mean, that's that's what Texas's offense was, and and Bijan being amazing on like a, on a handful of carries as well. Yeah, and, and I took a couple notes from the first half. So like, there was a couple like where motion confused Oklahoma, and that was uh, I think the big touch they make at twenty eight seven where. Like, was McCutcheon supposed to be in a deep third? Was he supposed to be in a, a man? Like, did, did he think he had safety help? I don't know. And that's the thing. It's like, I'll watch these plays from Oklahoma secondary, and I don't even know what they're trying to do because they look so confused. So confused. And, like, we know their defense is so simple, though. Like, they run cover one. They run a lot of cover two. And every once in a while, they might run cover four. 
They don't run a whole lot of cover three. But anyways, yeah, we, let's not talk about that. Uh, so it's 41-33, three and out. And, you know, Caleb Williams starts hitting some passes to Mario Williams for the first time. Hits Mario Williams a couple of times, moving the ball, moving the ball. That was when – And then th – Those were yeah. – uh, those. Uh, those completions to Mario Williams is when I was like, oh my God, the zip on those passes is like, it was obvious from where, you know, from where I was standing. And then they start to get in some trouble. On second down and four, Chris Murray gets called for a hold, which it was kind of ticky tack, but okay, fine. Like it was kind of, so like they, they get pushed back second and 14. Then Caleb gets rushed, finds Kennedy Brooks, who goes down with his, with his elbow even though it looked like maybe he was able to pick up yardage, but no re replay review. So it's third and 19, and for the first time in a while, Texas seems to have gotten some momentum, and, the, and it's third and long. And then, I mean, the Marvin Mims play, I, this is one of the best plays I have seen, and I'm not a very hyperbolic person. I mean, listen to this podcast for years. Grant's the hyperbolic guy. He's the one that goes crazy. I, this one got me. I, I have not seen a play, given the situation, the gravity of the moment, the, the difficulty of this play. Marvin Mims catching that ball, and I mean, obviously he wasn't like, he was obviously trying to stay in bounds. Like, he wasn't looking at his foot to make sure his foot was down. But like, the fact that his foot was, was in bounds by just that much and still held possession of the ball and scored, and Caleb Williams putting the ball at a spot where it needed to go, I mean, throwing on the run, that was one of the best plays I have seen, Grant, in a long, long time. That is. And it was really exciting. That is that is an all timer OU play. That is that is that is a famous play in OU history. I mean, it is third and nineteen, down by eight in the Cotton Bowl. True freshman quarterback, man, Fourth steps quarter. up and evades the rush, and then just a flick of his wrist on the run throws a perfect back shoulder to Mims, where he contorts himself and is able to get. He scores a touchdown. I, and it was that was that was one where I didn't necessarily get really loud after that. That was one where I, I grabbed my head and my 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 mouth was open. All right, I'm hoping that it won't be obvious when you're listening to the podcast. But we've had tons of technical issues today, and because of that, we gotta we gotta try to wrap this up. And this this part probably seems super out of nowhere. Um, the last thing I was gonna say, like, so Rattler comes into the game for the two point try, which was weird to me, but he he. He converts it. Good for him. Looks like the same exact play they ran to Theo Weiss last year against Texas. Down, the, roll him out, throw it to him, uh, and then like, how about this for like these consecutive plays, Grant? You got the Mims crazy touchdown. You got Rattler coming in for the two point play kickoff. Caleb Kelly just steals the ball away. An incredible play by Caleb Kelly. And then the next snap, Kennedy Brooks goes for a touchdown to give Oklahoma the lead. Those those were consecutive plays. <laughs> and an, an, an incredible play by Caleb Kelly that was pretty much impossible to see in the stands. It wasn't, so it, wasn't, it wasn't very loud at all when that happened because it was impossible to see because Caleb Kelly literally just took it from him. Um, and it was yeah. really cool. But when, when it, uh, they, had, they actually had a perfect replay of it on the video board. And when, like, and when you saw the ball come out of his hands, uh, the OU section went ballistic. I mean the the roar was like insane when that when that was the case. I mean I actually have the the subs the uh, the next play Brooks scoring. I actually I haven't watched it. I actually have a video of that play. Um, as I because like I I started recording taking videos because I, I I felt the moment. I I, I felt like ah I kind of want I kind of want this memorialized a little bit at least like what the 
you know what what it was like in the crowd um and so remind me i'm I'm gonna have to send that to you once i finally look at it okay so yeah it's i mean all of a sudden oklahoma's winning the game by a touchdown and there's still tons of time left there's seven minutes to go in the game (laughs) um and i mean oklahoma's defense comes out they get texas off the field they get texas off the field texas goes for it on fourth down and uh you know the, the the one time where it's like okay, oklahoma's offense is just humming but then they can't get enough first downs to get off the field they got to pump back texas comes down you know they tie it everything's history i mean OU comes down they get the game winning touchdown where it looks i mean the clock management by lincoln riley was making me angry i i, I couldn't believe what was going on he obviously was playing for a field goal because that's what he does because he because gay burgers is really good which is going to get man, him beat that will get them beat at some point that was really uh i thought the clock management was was poor put it that way and it ended up working out for him because obviously brooks breaks off that run the same exact play he scored on the the previous touchdown ou wins 55 48 um, and i do want to give these go ahead i i got I, I have to bring this up this this is important i haven't heard i haven't heard any other podcasts mention this at all uh but the, you know the the direct snap to kennedy brooks with the fake pitch and everything that's the first time that we have seen that play from OU since the third time they ran it against Ohio State and Columbus and Abdul Adams fumbled. I haven't, they have not ran that play since then. They, so they, they didn't run that play with Kyler Murray at all? No. How do you have this memory? Because of that, hmm. I mean, you, you don't really forget plays like that. That's a, that's a super unique play that they're running. Oh, I do. And that was that was something that they that they specifically busted out for Ohio State in Columbus and it worked really well. Every time they they got chunk yards every time they ran it in yeah. Columbus just Abdul Adams fumbled and we haven't seen it since. And holy crap, like I would love to know what their yards per rush were on that play. I mean, it worked it worked every single time. Well, I think they just called it they just called it those two times, didn't they? The two touchdown runs. Uh, they called it three or four times in the game. Oh, okay. Well, the two touchdowns, you know, like right there, that's, that's crazy. So I, I do want to give these stats out uh, before we can close this podcast out with our final kind of thoughts on the Rattler-Williams stuff, which is going to be the, obviously the biggest story this week. So Spencer Rattler, the drives with him, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drives with Spencer Rattler in the first half. Punt, touchdown, interception, punt, touchdown, field goal, fumble, and Three of the seven drives were three and outs. Three of the seven were three and outs. OU averaged 6.8 yards per play when Spencer Rattler was the quarterback of, this, of the Texas game. But here's an asterisk. You take away the, the long touchdown run by Caleb Williams because that was during whenever Rattler was in the game. You take that play away, Grant. OU averaged only 5.1 yards per play when Rattler was in. Caleb Williams comes into the game full-time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drives. Field goal, punt, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown. And only one three and out, and it actually was in a time where Oklahoma needed to get first downs late in the game, but okay. Only one three and out, but Caleb Williams in the game, OU scored on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of nine drives OU scored. And here's the kicker, OU averaged 8.1 yards per play, which is fantastic and a lot more what we're used to when Baker Mayfield was the quarterback, when Kyler Murray was the quarterback, and for the first half of the year when Jalen Hurts was the quarterback of Oklahoma, when they were averaging 
that, like eight yards per, per play or more. So I, th- those numbers are pretty astonishing. Yeah, and so I, you know, we 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 got to get out of here. But um, just just a couple of final thoughts, and I mean, we're gonna have way more thoughts on this on Wednesday. Geez, Wednesday may be our longest pod of the year. Uh, just like when we kind of go into more more in depth on this stuff. Uh, all I gotta say is that Caleb Williams is clearly QB one. Clearly, um, I've I've never seen a situation where someone just came in. And just took their opportunity and just grabbed it. Um, I heard on uh, just on Andy Staples' podcast this morning. The only thing that they could compare it to that they've ever remembered was Tua coming in for Jalen Hurts in the national championship game. Um, just like where where the where just the team just had so much more energy after that he was in. And so I, I thought that was really really fun and really great. I'm so happy that I was a part of that. And. Um, I can't. I, I don't know if 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 uh, if this got cut up or cut off because of the technical difficulties early, earlier. But I said, hey, I, you know, it's it's not a coincidence at all that as soon as Caleb Williams comes in, Marvin Mims is is who he th- is, is who he thought he was almost immediately. And also, OU's offense looks like OU's offense like immediately when he comes in. And I know they stalled out in the red zone. They did the 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 handful of times. But they were moving it. But hey, that's OU's offense, though. They a lot were of the moving times. it, man. <laughs> I mean, they they really were moving it in between the ta- or uh, between the twenties, e- even then. And then uh, and and there's there's kind of some other stuff that I that I want to touch on on Wednesday as well, um, including me questioning whether or not Demarvian Overshawn is a good player. And then he had probably the best first quarter of any linebacker I've ever seen, uh, just com- <laughs> just all over all over the field. He sacked Rattler, and then he was the one who blocked the punt, the play later, um, and he was blowing stuff up. Uh, but then in the second half, he became Demarvian Overshawn that we all know and love, and he just he had no idea what OU was doing in the run game, and he was just lost the entire time. So I, I thought that was fun. All right. So after the game, Riley was asked, "Hey, are you ready to make a decision on quarterback for the TCU game?" By the way, Oklahoma plays TCU next at home, and Riley made the joke because it was probably about 10 minutes into his press conference. And he said, oh, I'm surprised it took about 10 questions to get to that question. But uh, no, I am not ready yet to make that decision. Sorry. This is going to be a tough week because here's my opinion. I don't think think Lincoln Riley wants to bench Spencer Rattler. I think he wants to play Spencer Rattler. I think he does. Uh, But I don't know how you can at this moment. I, it's... So he's going to have some really uncomfortable conversations between those two players this week. And the, the caveat of this one, Oklahoma's coming home for the first time since the West Virginia game when Rattler got booed and there's calls for Caleb. And since then, Caleb Williams came in a couple of times against Kansas State, looked okay, but also had that one you know, snap. And then obviously the Texas game where he was fantastic and was basically the reason why Oklahoma won that football game. I don't, I don't know what the reaction of the fan base would be if Spencer Rattler trots out onto that field to start that game against TCU, I, I don't think, I really don't think people would boo. I don't think that's what, because of all the stuff that happened. But there, it would be a weird reaction. I don't know. Uh, I think you're, I, I, I think you're giving this way too much oxygen. There is zero chance that Spencer Rattler is the starting quarterback on Saturday. Zero. He will lose that locker room if, if, if he names Spencer Rattler the quarterback. Like, this is... That, that's the thing where I wish you were there and, and you could have just seen the difference in the energy of the team 
because it, it, it led me to believe that as soon as he came in, like the energy level was different, which means these guys are seeing it in practice too. They okay. know. They know. And like and so it's like there's I there's just and they're gonna go back and they're gonna watch film. They're gonna see how how like just the night and day difference. And there there is no way that, that Spencer Rattler can take another meaningful snap, injury, you know, notwithstanding at OU again. He just can't. I, I mean it is Caleb Williams absolutely took this team over. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know how how else you can look at it. And I you know, I agree with you that he doesn't want to bench Spencer Rattler. Of course he doesn't. I mean he's a he's had to he's had to develop a, a relationship with this guy, with his family, with everything. He's you know they're connected at the hip, and that you know that it's gonna be hard for sure to have these conversations. But you have a responsibility to the other hundred plus guys in that locker room to put the best option out there, and it's it it doesn't it doesn't take a football genius to see who the best option is. Like it's not even it's not close. What like what the the ceiling that Caleb Williams flashed in that game is is so much better than anything that Spencer Rattler has ever done at OU. I mean that was a, Spencer Rattler has never looked that good in an OU uniform, not once, never, because he can't. He's he's athletically not able to look that good. And I, it's look, I Caleb Williams is going to struggle. He is a freshman. There's there's going to be film on him. Other teams practice too. They'll make plays against him. But how can like, how can you not be excited? This like if 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 that's the real Caleb Williams, and I highly highly suspect that it is. I, this is that's going to unlock this offense. There, there, this is going to be the best offense in college football, in 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 a matter of few weeks. Yeah, I mean you could be right, and I think all of your takes there were pretty spot on. Uh, I my my one bit of pause is something that you said because yes, he is a freshman, he hasn't played really at all, but also. That Texas defense isn't very good. And so he just did what he probably should have done against a defense. Like, if it was a better defense, then I would be a little bit more excited than I am now. Not saying I'm not. That's where, that, that's where you, you need the context of being in the building while you were there. Like, it was, I, it's, it's hard to describe to you how stressful that game was. And, like, how it's, it's, it's not going up against, a, you know, a, an average Texas defense playing in in Fort Worth is is a whole hell of a lot different than going up against them in the Cotton Bowl with their fans behind you and you know being loud like that. And so that's kind of where I just like I get it. I understand like I, from an X's and O's perspective, you need to you you sometimes it's responsible just to see, to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and say, "Hey, but th- I mean that environment was insane." That that was I just it's and it's not like and Texas was playing above their heads. They absolutely were. I mean, I, I mentioned DeVar, DeMarvian Overshone, who I mean, who played completely over his head in the first quarter and then came back down to earth. Um, and so I it's sure like point no, I, point taken. But let's no, but let's I, wait. I, I get it. I, I highly suspect that he is he he's going to make a lot of defenses look like that in the second half of the season. Sure, sure. No, I I'm with you for the most part. And to your point or to you know, everyone's point, I should say, he did really well against a defense like that, but also that, that shines a light on Spencer Rattler's play against that same exact defense where he did not look very good. And he, and he could not move the ball, and he could not you know, get explosive plays, and a true freshman did. And so that, that means something. 
Um, all right, I know I got to get going. Uh, I just think it's going to be a really interesting week. Riley's not going to commit to a quarterback. It's going to be one of those situations where we don't know until game day. Uh, and it's, if 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 Spencer, just, if like if if it's anyone, like if it's not Caleb Williams taking every single snap in that game on Saturday, we're going to have a problem for sure. I there's because I mean that would get to the point where it's you're just. He, he's being stubborn, and he's just like, who are you going to believe, like me or your lying eyes? I mean, it's <laughs> Caleb Williams is, is better than Spencer Rattler. I mean, he was in that game, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, we will see. All right, um, I know we have, we have tons of three-word reviews. Don't have time to do that. We'll do it like we did a couple weeks ago. We'll, we'll read your three-word reviews at the start of next episode, and I'll, I'll try to grab some of those, and we can get those. Thank you for all of them on the West of Evers Facebook page and also my Twitter page, at uh, Lee Benson News 9. Tons of three-word reviews. Uh, there's a million things to talk about. We haven't got to everything, but hopefully this is, you know, this is something that can satiate your guys' post-OU Texas appetite. So uh, for Grant, you got something else? Actually, I got, I got one more thing. I, I mean, I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't kind of um, – that game was just, it's, uh, because, I mean, we're going to move on from this game, and there's, it's going to be an exciting second half of the year, and we're going to be talking about TCU on Wednesday. Um, but I, I just, I, I want to just reiterate one more time, uh, remember that one, everyone. Like, that one is special. That is not, um, you know, the very first OU Texas game I ever went to was 2008, watching Colt McCoy beat Sam Bradford in that amazing 2008 offense. And I remember... I remember leaving the stadium that day thinking the wrong team won. It, the better team did not win that game, thinking. And um, I, I, I was so disappointed, but also still leaving that thinking that I just seen something special. I saw a great game in, a, in an amazing environment. And um, on Saturday, it was, it was just different. That's exactly why we love college football. I, just everything going on in that game, it was, it was beautiful. It, I mean, it was... It was perfect, especially after a year where we where college football, it, it, you know, in certain terms, was taken away from us. Um, you know, I, I was just I was so grateful, so appreciative that I could be there, and um, I'm gonna remember that one for the rest of my life. That was awesome, and and like I, I really, really do believe that we just saw, we saw the start of something special with Caleb Williams. I mean, he is like you know I. In 2015, you weren't around the team. You weren't following it as much. But when Baker kind of fought through all that crap and, and not uh, on the road at Tennessee in that second that second game of the season, looked awful. But then he, I mean, just he still he still clawed the team back. In that moment, everyone knew, every OU fan knew that he was the guy, and that he was something that they hadn't had in a while. And I, it's just Caleb Williams did that on Saturday. Th- this guy is. This guy is going to be something special for OU, and I just I can't freaking wait to see where where it goes from here, because it was just that was and uh, our, our friend Brady Trantham said it in their post game pod last night, and I know like I know you don't put a lot of stock in this stuff, you know, and stuff, and of course there's no there's nothing mystical in the universe happening, whatever, but that was Sooner Magic personified. That's what that was, um, and I'm just so grateful that I was able to be there in per- in person to see it because that was freaking awesome. And so it's, uh, <laughs> I got nothing else to say. I'm, I'm still at a loss of words. It was, it was incredible. It was so, so cool. 
All right, and also, hey, uh, by the way, your sneaking suspicion of an A&M upset happened. Texas A&M over Alabama. Look at that. Oh, we'll have uh, we'll have plenty of time to uh, to pat ourselves on Man. the back for that one. Uh, okay, let's get out of here for Grant, who is on the road in uh, Liberty, Can uh, Missouri, Liberty, Missouri, Missouri. Uh, I am Lee. Yes, yes. Uh, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.